Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer. This is not just food. This is M&S food. A martini, shaken monster. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. Oh eight seven fourteen hundred one zero six is our WhatsApp number. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk, coming to you today from the Triscoll Arts Centre in Cork. With thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencers on the stage now, Leslie Williams, Brian Lloyd, and Fanula Jones. Good afternoon, uh, afternoon to you all. Hi, guys. Uh, now three wines you're yes, doing today, yes. uh, Leslie. Um, so we've got a Pinot Grigio um, from the Veneto in northeast Italy. I mean, people love to slag Pinot Grigio. It's kind of the Budweiser of wines, but honestly, good ones <laughs> yeah. have flavour. Really, yeah. but it doesn't have any flavour. You know that thing about... No, I won't say that. That's rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look up joke, Budweiser, canoe, water, and, and you'll, 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 you'll find it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and intimacy. <laughs> Close to water. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. Right. Don't, 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 stop digging. <laughs> look at this. Right. Stop digging. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, you know, really fruity, nice bit of pear fruit in that, I thought. I mean, so yeah. There is actually and, and good pinot grigio. Briefly, there. what are the other two wines? We'll so, uh, quick, quick, sorry, yes, absolutely. Quickly, we've got a, um, a Bordeaux Merlot. Uh, focus Bordeaux, a lovely soft fleshy one, and then everyone's favourite, a dark rich Malbec from Argentina. Right, okay. I looked up the joke, by the way, it's pretty funny. Okay, <laughs> good to know. You can all look it up in your own time, just no one mention it on air, because uh, we can't afford the legal uh, fees. Uh, two big ones today, yeah. Brian. Yes. Um, though I want to ask you, have you seen, have actually you or Arfanula seen, there's a Sheila Booth movie where he plays Padre Pio. What? what? Oh, yes. Yeah, there I is, heard yeah. about this. Yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. joking. He plays Padre Yes, Pio. I did hear about this, yeah. And he, like, lived with the monks. Yeah. And he, like, apparently got indoctrinated into, or what, what is it, um, uh, confirmed into, like, the Catholic Church, like, that particular sect. Yeah, I did hear about that. He grew out the beard and everything, yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it. No, I know. I heard a clip of it. All right. And, 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 Any use? No, apparently a man who was making it... Ran out of money. Oh, Abel Ferreira. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so all the, he had to use all these Italian actors who couldn't really speak English that well. And so they're, they're speaking right. in pigeon English with a thick Italian accent to Shia LaBeouf. He's talking to them with an American accent. They could, so have just done, they could have just done like what Spaghetti Westerns used to do, which was like basically have the Italian yeah, accent say the yeah. thing and then English actors or American and actors. And they could say it was a miracle. Yeah. 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 Right. So the, uh, <laughs> here, I, I, yeah, I heard about it. I haven't seen it. Yet. Uh, so the two movies uh, we're talking about is the holdovers. Yes, the holdovers. Yeah, with uh, Paul Giamatti. He got. He is the. I would say the next kind of thing to Killian Murphy in terms of. Like, He's the competition. He is the competition. It's basically a two horse race between Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Um, Paul Giamatti won the Critics' Choice Award. Both of them won at the Golden Globes because the Golden Globes splits it up between comedy and drama. Um, yeah, it's a two-horse race between the pair yeah. of them, but I uh, still think Killian Murphy's going to win. Okay, and all of the strangers. Um, uh, a lot of people were um, surprised and annoyed Andrew Scott didn't get any nominations uh, yeah. for his performance in this. I'm afraid Brian was kind of a bit... No. Because he's, he's cold and dead inside. Uh, um. <laughs> true, true, true. Yes, I am dead inside. This is a soulless husk you're looking at. Um, I thought it was grand. Yeah. I thought All of Us Strangers is the film. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay. I went in... No, I will say, I probably went into it expecting 
to have my life changed because like everyone was giving it five stars and everyone was talking about how great it was. And maybe it's like the expectations were too high. I don't know. Maybe I am just dead inside. I don't know. <laughs> but David Putnam made a great point as well. He made a great point that like the voting age for the Academy members is like 62 and it's 77, 77% men, which means the kind of movie that All of Us Strangers is, none of them would particularly go for that kind of jazz. Mm. Same with Barbie as well. So it's not surprising that they got nominated. But like Andrew Scott, like he's a great career ahead of him. Same with Paul Meskel. He'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, now, there's, now, we're not talking about this week, but there is a, a weird musical version of The Colour of Purple. Yeah. Um, which It's okay, actually. I saw it. It's a bit odd. You would think, like, you'd think, like, you know, like, rape and incest, but all singing, all dancing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not making light of it. Yeah. Like, it's really, that's really yeah. the thing. Like, you imagine the pitch for that, you know. It's a hard sell, but it works. Yeah. I would have thought it's, so. I know, yeah. No, it, it's, it's actually, it's actually in, how do I say it? It's enjoyable. Like, it works. Not the rape and the incest is enjoyable, yeah. but like, stop talking. Yeah, probably, um, probably yeah. for the best. Anyway, Leslie, <laughs> tell us about the Pina Grigio. Right, so uh, we are in the Veneto, as I said, so basically around Venice, um, and you will get Pina Grigios up in this northwest, that northeastern part of, um, of Italy is the exact place you want to look for them. Um, it grows great there, and people think Pina Grigio is just like boring. Well, it, it, it's a mutation of Pinot Noir, so I mean, it, it, mm. it has good heritage, um, and you know, as Pinot Gris in France, it can be interesting, and, and the so the problem with people disliking Pinot Grigio is often they're very, very, very simple. But this has pear and tropical fruits and a bit of weight and a bit of character. Um, and it's 15 euros. So like they're not trying to sell this. At, and it, it's worth its 15 euro, I think. Yeah. But isn't nice the problem so much that, that people don't like Pinot Grigio? A lot of people like Pinot Grigio. Yeah, well, yes. But your wine should yeah, that, yeah, that's Look it. Look down their nose and, that. and they're wrong. They're yeah, wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. Mostly wrong. Yeah. Why did it become, but why did it become so uh, hugely popular? It's just because it's so inoffensive it's so as a, as a general category it's so easy drinking it just would not offend anybody you know it's 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 honestly the way certain lagers work they're just they're there's to nothing to, there's again. no flavor yeah. yeah like literally no flavor in, in 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 some lagers which is one of the reasons actually why i can't can i slag off big brands of beer i i, I would rather drink budweiser <laughs> at a party than heineken and cars because at least budweiser is has a really neutral, simple flavour. It's not trying to do anything. Yeah. The flavours that Heineken and Carlsberg are trying to put into their lagers are just so awful, um, which I think it might be possibly hop extract that they're using, which gives this sort of weird, bitter, metallic flavour that I hate. Um, drink craft beer instead, or drink, you know... Uh, yeah. Anyway, but that's... But Pinot Grigio, for me, has... In its really simple examples, where you're getting it maybe from, you know, entry-level stuff from Chile, it's really simple, really bland. It's so popular. And also they're bleaching out the, the wines a lot. I mean, the, the grape is gris. I mean, Grigio, which is a rosé colour traditionally. So if you see a Pinot Grigio that's got that sort of dusky onion skin, grey, pink colour, they're often much more interesting and, and have a bit of character. Yeah. Um, but, um, look, I just think, and this has a little bit of colour, not really, actually, it's quite pale, um, but <laughs> but uh, but but um I mean, it, that, that's that to do with taste. Yeah, it does have a flavour. It has a natural flavour. Yeah, 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 exactly. And there's some balance, there's some fruit, there's some acidity, and their name in the winemaker. He's happy to put his name on the label. I forget his name off the top of my head. <laughs> but um, do I have it here? I do. Uh, his uh, from famed Italy, Ansel, Anselmo Martini. There you go. Okay. His dad invented the martini. No, I'm only messing. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, great, 15 euro. And, and look, Martin Spencer's is great for finding these 
they're, they're classic ranges. They're simple, straightforward. Like, I want a Bordeaux, I want a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. They're really put effort into it because they know that's the stuff that's going to sell. And if people try it and they don't like it, they're never going to buy it again. So mm. it's really absolutely in their interest to make damn sure that if they're putting a well-known branded style of wine at this stage, Pinot Grigio is a brand, it's damn good, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So what's Whoopi Goldberg been saying about uh, the Oscars? Uh, she's basically been saying that there's kind of no such thing as a snob. Obviously, the Barbie discourse has been in overdrive this week with Greta Gerwig not being nominated for Best Director and Margot Robbie not being nominated for Best Actress in her category for playing Barbie, but obviously Ryan Gosling was nominated for Best Supporting Actor and America Ferreira, kind of an outside bed, I would have said, got nominated in the Best Supporting Actress category. She was asked about it because obviously she's an Academy Award winner herself, Whoopi Goldberg, and she said there are no snubs. That's what you have to keep in mind. Not everybody gets a prize and it is subjective. Movies are subjective. The movies you love may not be loved by the people who are voting, which, as we've already illustrated, like the people who are voting, again, I'm not really sure Barbie was appealing to them. I will say I feel like the Margot Robbie was robbed conversation. Not really sure I agree with that. I think that was a very competitive category this year. It was not that surprising to me that she was left out. I think the surprise was Greta Gerwig, but I also wasn't surprised given how the previous awards ceremonies have gone. Like, it's still obviously not great against the whole point of Barbie and stuff, but... I must say, I was surprised by Ryan Gosling. No, he was... No, they were talking about... No, but he goes around acting like an idiot. How hard is that? <laughs> yeah, but it's... It's, <laughs> made careers it's not a subtle yeah. performance. But, I mean, he got some of the best lines in, and I think that yeah. was some of the critique. Again, not for me. I did love Barbie, but I know some of the critiques from people were like, the movie is called Barbie, and Ryan Gosling and Ken are stealing the show, which, again, kind of undermines the point of the film, potentially. I knew he was going to be nominated just because the entire conversation around him. But again, as the past guest mentioned, like he, I'd say he is absolutely mortified. And I'd wonder now if he's even going to win. It, it, was he going to win anyway? Probably not. You know, it's the yeah. thing. No, so. it was, it, it's a tie. Like, that's a supporting category category. It's between him and Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer. Really. But surely Robert's, like, I would say, it. no, he's, like, 60% likely. Yeah. Like, I would put, like, 20, 30% on Ryan Gosling and on it. Like, God, that'd be mad altogether. Yeah. It would. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk 087 106 is our WhatsApp number. Coming to you today from the Triscoll Arts Centre with thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencer's. That was Chubby Cash again, uh, ably assisted by Ben on guitar there. The name of that track was Cowboys. You will be hearing a whole lot more of her over uh, Woo! at uh, Leslie, Brian and Fanula are still with us uh, on the stage. Um, Fanula, you, uh, have you found a venue for the wedding yet? I have. Oh, where? Uh, you can't, I, yeah, somewhere. Somewhere it, in Cork. Is it round here, though? I mean. uh, more west. Okay. You're never Woo! Specific. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's Next good. Next year. Yeah. Next year. Yeah. Okay. Woo. Woo. Have you Woo. Got, how many people are... Uh, what's your number? A hundred and... Seven, oh 360. <laughs> Do you have that many friends, wedding. really? I have a lot of family. Because my yeah. solar sister had a COVID wedding, so now it's everyone's like, the, the answer, oh, like, hello, can we, we need to come, please? So Yeah, okay. All right, fair enough. Time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And, yeah. and, you're, and it'll cost me so much money, I can't wait. Yeah, dinner for Brilliant. 70 ants. Uh, where's Antoinette O'Flaherty? Woo! Hello, Antoinette, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I know. Are you from Cork originally? Yeah, from Dublin Hill. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, because like, because a lot of people on the show today who um, 
have come from someplace else now live in Cork. But Antoinette, you're from Cork originally. All the places you lived around the world, run us through all the different places you've lived. Well, I suppose I've travelled a lot of places, but I've lived in London, um, I've lived in New York, and I lived in the Middle East in Riyadh and Saudi Arabia as well. Yeah, and you were in, you were in the Irish Army Nursing Service. That's right, Joe. I didn't even know there was one, to be honest with you. Yeah. So how does that work? Um, you, well, years ago, I just applied when I was, I was lived abroad for a couple of years, and I came back, and I was looking for a job. And it came up that they were looking for nurses in the army, so I applied. So I'm actually one of the last army nurses. They've, they've never taken another army nurse in since myself. Oh, wow. Oh. Is that because, like, they knew they were never going to get one as good as you? Probably. That's it. <laughs> they just gave up. Yeah. They gave up. So my army number is 734, and there's never been a 735. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's cutbacks for you. Now, cutbacks, but, yeah. Yeah. When you were with them, though, you were in Liberia. What was that like? Um, it was interesting. It was a big cultural shock. Um, Charles Taylor at the time was, you know, he was inducting child soldiers and everything. So um, the Irish Army were out there and they were doing their peacekeeping. And um, we're talking about movies and booze today, but it was a dry mission. Yes. <laughs> Which meant that um, the alcohol was only allowed maybe just on certain occasions, mm. you know, for the, for the soldiers at the time. But yeah, it was very interesting. Um, yeah. Got to see a lot and um, travelled up in a helicopter, went up to the north to Zorzor and did a lot of travelling there. So it was lovely, yeah. It was, was great. It, but I imagine it, yeah. Was it dangerous? Um, well, the only danger I, I got really was I was told not to walk on the grass in case there were snakes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's dangerous. <laughs> snakes and that in the grass. Um, yeah, obviously, there are times when they're, you know, they, they would be put on alert for stuff, but... I myself know we were based yeah. in the camp and when we left the camp we were well protected so yeah. it was fine. And obviously you like living in countries where you can't get a drink. You then worked in Saudi Arabia as a midwife. Uh, yeah and I was told before I went to get my hair cut that there was no hairdressers and um, there was no alcohol and I never had so much booze as I had in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it was all um, homemade so... Um, oh. In a lot of the places, the bathrooms were just taken over for the home brew. And while you might say what year the wine is, we you say what week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it was just, and there was a lot of, um, I suppose, what you call pochine. So we would have to be careful. But it was, you know, it was all done underground, really, I suppose, yeah. as such. Yeah. Now, yeah, that was probably more dangerous than Liberia, I imagine, if you caught with the drink. <laughs> well, the only place we got it and we made sure we were well in with the American Army soldiers <laughs> because they were allowed to have it on the camp, so we were able to get the real stuff with them. Right. God, that's... Um, you know what we're going to do, uh, Antoinette? We're going to give you a two-night stay at the College Green Hotel in Dublin, oh. breakfast on both mornings, dinner on one evening in Moreland's Grill there, as well as some of today's M&S wines and chocolates. Oh, my God. Oh. Thank you. Well done to you. Well done to you. Thank right. You. Thank you. Uh, we'll move on to our second wine of the day. Leslie, tell us about it. So it's, uh, it's just, it says Bordeaux Merlot on it. Now, actually, it's unusual to see a grape variety on the front of a bottle of Bordeaux, but the, you can do it now. But they used to be really strict about this. Bordeaux is always made mostly with Merlot, but often with a bit of Cabernet Sauvignon. And it makes sense because Merlot is very soft. Cabernet is quite spiky and quite structured. Mm. So you blend the two together. But they've just gone pure, soft chocolatey, plain Merlot on this. Um, Bordeaux kind of has this fuddy-duddy image. People kind of, oh, 
you know, it's what old people drink and claret and, you know, yeah. old men with sore toes from the gout and all that kind of thing. But, you know, I actually think we should come back and look at Bordeaux because they're generally, it's really rare for them to be 14%. Now, this one happens to be 14%, but it's made in that juicy fruit-focused style. But your standard Bordeaux is often 13%, sometimes 125 So in this time when we're, you know, as the weather gets warmer, we're looking for just a little lighter style of wine. and They go better with food. And because of that, I mean, like, it's hard to get anything for the Rhone under 15 these days. I mean, mm. sometimes 16, you know, although it'll say 15.2 or something. It's actually 16, you know. Um, but I actually thought this was really nice, just really easy going. I'd, I'd actually drink it a little cool, if possible, just to take mm. down. There's a little bit of sweetness there, just take down some of that. But this just really easy, soft Merlot. And um, I mean, there used to be time when Merlot was the thing. I don't know if you know this story. Um, so the, in, the Americans discovered that red wine was good for you, in theory, yeah, because they yeah. so-called French Paradox thing. It was a 60 Minutes program. And overnight, America went from drinking 60-40 uh, white over red to 60-40 red over white. But they couldn't uh, cope with the Cabernet because of the tannins. So this phrase was invented. Merlot is Cabernet without the pain, you know. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And, and so, but they couldn't, there wasn't that much Merlot, or Merlot as they called it. It, mm. it is pronounced Merlot. You think of La Mer, the sea. Yeah. Um, but the Chileans said, hey, we've got some. And so the Chileans then sent them loads. And then they discovered that what they thought was Merlot was Carmenere. Um, and then there was death threats to the man who discovered this. It was literally pushed under his door at this conference because he was saying, that's not bleeding Merlot. That's Cabernet. That's um, Carmenere. Anyway, I'm rambling. But, but basically, um, so suddenly Merlot became the thing. And Why was there someone from North Dublin? Yeah, yeah, he's, say, yeah. yeah. He'd, he'd spent time here as, yeah, a, as okay. a teenager, you know. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, just um, like it was, it was on the. I remember seeing riders on the Point Depot in the nineties, and they would all want Merlot. I mean, like that could be a two thousand euro Petrus, or it could be a. Five ninety nine, you know, yeah, cheapy thing. Yeah. So, but I mean, it, and then obviously sideways led to everyone hating Merlot because he said if having Merlot in there, I'm not drinking it. And then there was a movie called Merlot. No, honestly, Merlot's good, and and so on. And uh, anyway, Merlot's had its ups and downs. But look, it, there's a reason. It was popular and is still popular, um, but you won't find it on the label most often because it's usually oh, blended. Right. So if you go into a shop these days and look for Merlot, there might be an expensive an American one or there might be a Chilean one, but really you won't find Merlot. But the trick is to just go to Bordeaux and go to almost anywhere in Bordeaux and it's mostly Merlot with a little bit of Cabernet for structure, and that's a good thing. Yeah, okay. Right, we'll move on. Oh, no, actually, we won't uh, yet because I do want to talk about... There's going to be a Bob the Builder film. Thank God that, we didn't skip this because yeah. <laughs> it's important. That J-Lo is going to produce a Bob the Builder. Waiting on the site. I couldn't How have a better How did you even hear about Bob the Builder? Thing. Great question. Well, she does have children, I will say, and is a woman of a certain age, so... Okay. Um, is, but it, yeah. It's like he... Bob the Builder big in, in America? Well, yeah, actually, that's a good point. I don't really know if it... Anyway, she seems to be obsessed with it. Anyway, she's producing this story. Um, Anthony, it's an animated, I should say. It's not live action, because I thought it was going to be live action. I was like, I cannot wait to see what they do with the oh, machines, because yeah. that's going to be an absolute <laughs> atrocity. But anyway, it's an animated feature-length film. It's going to star Anthony Ramos, who was in In the Heights. People will remember him from that. He plays the titular Bob, uh, but he's actually called Roberto in this series. He follows Roberto, who travels to Puerto Rico for a major construction job. Uh, he uh, takes on issues affecting the island and digs deeper into what it means to build. Bob's journey will celebrate the vibrant and colourful <laughs> texture of the Caribbean <laughs> Latin nations and their people. There is uh, no director attached yet but Felipe Vargas is uh, doing the screenplay. So. Alright, so they took Bob the Builder and added a layer of notions on top yeah. of it. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. That's what they did. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about our first movie now. It's All of Us Strangers. Here's a clip. You were just a boy. But now you're not. No. 
totally different, but it's still you. I thought you'd be hairier. Like your dad. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> like a hairy chest myself. <laughs> Christ, do you know who you remind me of? Uh, who? You look just like my dad. Did he? Mm. I remember him anyway when I was a little girl. seeing you both at exactly the same time. Oh, I've made your favourite. Well, I hope it's still your favourite. I'll just go and pop the kettle on and then you can tell me everything. Right. In that scene, that was uh, obviously Andrew Scott talking to Clara Foy, who's his mother. Now, I know they're exactly the same age and... and Brian will explain how that comes to be. My question is, is Andrew Scott that sweaty looking all the way through the film? No. It's no. because he got caught in the rain. That's all that was. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, go on. What's the... the what's so, here? the story is, Andrew Scott is a screenwriter living in London. He lives alone in this kind of very bougie apartment block. Um, Paul Mescal arrives on his door one day, who's a little bit drunk and intoxicated. Tries it on with a little bit. He rejects him. Uh, Andrew Scott's character is going through a bit of a writer's block and on a whim he decides to go back to his hometown in Croydon. Goes to his parents' house, walks up to the front door and there, magically, are his parents at the same age they were when they died in a car crash like 20, 30 years ago or whatever. Mm. He then proceeds to basically just hang out with them for the day and they kind of are like, oh, well, you know, you, you, look, you look great and you look so old and... You know, when he's like, how, how are you here? And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. Just kind of, just go with it and just enjoy it sort of thing. And then he goes back to London and strikes up a relationship with Paul Meskel's character. And it's very intense, very sort of instant sort of uh, chemistry between them. And as it goes along, he goes back to the house, has a, like, has a day with his mother, then has another day with his father. And basically gets to kind of say the things to them that he couldn't get to say to them. Like he comes out to his mother, for example. And the mother is kind of like, has very kind of outdated views of it. Like she's sort of like, oh, you know, it's a very lonely life. And are you sure you want to do this and all this kind of stuff? Like, and he says like, no, it's actually fine now for gay people. And, you know, they can get married and have kids and all the rest of it. It's fine. And she's all like, no, I don't know. Whereas the dad is much more kind of understanding about it. He's all like, look, I knew you couldn't kick a ball straight and all the rest of it. <laughs> you know, and, you know, there are those kind of like touching, kind of like sweet, kind of funny moments in it as well. But then when he goes back to London, he goes back to the relationship with Paul Mescal and that is going through different phases where you know they're experimenting with drugs and all the rest of it. Um, I liked it. I think Andrew Scott was brilliant in it. I thought Paul Mescal was brilliant in it. The issue that I had with it is, is that I think certain kind of films like this, it's very much like, do you feel sad? Do you feel sad now? They're dead. How about now? Are you sad now? Are you feeling really sad? They're dead. And then he has to confess to them that, he, oh, is it sad now? And it doesn't really kind of let you kind of feel anything naturally. Like compared to something like Past Lives, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. It's very much like really subtle and understated. Yeah. And the guy who directed this, this guy called Andrew Haig, and he did a, f a film a few years ago called 45 Years with Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtney. And it was basically about this elderly couple. Did anyone see it? 
So I was like, yeah, it's brilliant, right? And it's about this elderly couple, and the, the, they're both writers, but uh, the, the wife basically put aside her entire career to support her husband. And it's way more subtle and way more understated, but it still has all those like, really, really rich emotions and great performances. Whereas in All of Us Strangers, it was just so full on. And like, even like, uh, there's that Frankie Goes to Hollywood song. Um, Relax. Power of Love. Power of Love, yes. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah and that's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. And yeah. it's like this really overwrought, really mm. kind of like deeply, almost sickly sentimental. And I feel it's kind of like the story itself. Like, yeah. it's just so overbearing and so over the top. And I can feel your stare. You were just <laughs> yeah. burning a hole in my chest. Everyone All loves around. this. And I liked it. Yeah. I, but it's just, I yeah. can... Like I, I can much. feel the hatred. Yeah, well, uh, Fanula, on, I suppose, for on behalf of basically every everyone else, critic yeah. in the world, uh, um, rebut what Brian just said. I know I loved it. I thought Andrew Scott's performance is just like he's on, he is this like he's on the verge of tears and just holds tears in his eyes for the whole thing. And I think there's a particular scene in the diner with the parents, unbelievable. Claire Foy is really good in this, and I feel like she's not being brought into. The conversation a lot. I think it looks really beautiful. I do kind of take your point that maybe it is a bit. It's it's not as subtle as a yeah. past lives because that's probably the closest comparison you can get. But I don't know. And Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott's chemistry is oh, off yeah. the charts. It's so good. They're obsessed with each other. I love it. It's very good. It's very believable. Okay. It's yeah. No, I. I yeah, I, I liked it. It's just, I think it was one of those things where it's like when you're going in, you're seeing like five star reviews everywhere. Kind of like, oh, see about this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's I just, I mean, it, I think it's like there was a lot of hype surrounding it. I probably went in with over, over expectations, you know, that sort of way that it was going to be this like life changing thing. And it was like, yes, it's very, and like here's another thing as well. It was, it was based on this Japanese ghost story. And when I, re- when I got told what the original ending of it was, I was like, oh, they should have done that in this. And they didn't. But, yeah. Okay. Was it just because you just being you? No! <laughs> and said, no one's going to feckin' tell me I liked it. No, no, no. no I like, it was no. all right. No, I like, the whole, the, hold on, the, the other film, The Holdovers was the same. Everyone was like raving about it. And I yeah. went in and it was like, they were 100% correct. So, yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, like, look, it's, I, 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 my own personal thing of it was, I liked it. Like, the performances are brilliant. Paul Mescal is brilliant. Andrew Scott is brilliant. Yes, you're right about Claire Foy. Fantastic in it. Um, but I just, I just thought it was trying too hard. And I think when, it, when, you're, when it's being so forced upon you, I think you can either go along with it or just like be like, no, I don't. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Someone says Mark Ruffalo should get Best Supporting Male Actor. Downey Jr. Uh, didn't do a whole lot in... Uh, in I don't know about that now. Like, I mean, yeah, he was great in Poor Things. Like, he plays this, like, really caddish, over-the-top kind of character. But Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer, like, he's so subtle and sly. It's brilliant, like... Yeah. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. On News Talk. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk 87 106 is our WhatsApp number. Coming to you today from the Triscoll Arts Centre in Cork City with thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencers. Leslie, Brian and Fanula are still with us. Uh, so Fanula, who's going to be Michael Jackson's dad? 
Coleman Domingo, who's just also coming off of a Best Actor nomination at the Oscars for uh, Rustin. He is going to play Joe Jackson in the Michael Jackson biopic that I've been talking about over the last few weeks called Michael. He said, I'm excited to be part of a film that explores both the complicated soul of the legendary Michael Jackson as well as his impact on music and culture as a global icon. So he will be starring opposite uh, Michael Jackson's nephew, who is playing... Michael Jackson, Jafar Jackson, um, and Antoine Fuqua is directing. Conan Domingo, very, very busy. Very, very busy man. And he's um, in the colour purple as well. He is in the right. colour purple, yeah. yeah. The thing is, because we were talking about this before, like there's a, more than a little bit of the ick about making a film about Michael Jackson in terms of what are they going to address and what are they not going to address. Mm. And it kind of says it all, the fact that they're casting his nephew in it, like, you know that kind of way? Yeah. He's like, a, the, the estate is so heavily involved that it's like, well, okay, this is going to be one thing and one thing only, and it's not going to be... Yeah. It's so never going to be the full Coleman picture. Domingo, is that a good idea to be involved with a production like that? I'm it might not, be looked as a whitewash. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Kind of seems like an odd decision on his part. I'm not really sure, but... Yeah, we'll see. He's busy anyway. He's doing yeah. a few other bits. He's going to star in a Knack and Cole biopic, and he's directing it as well. Um, oh, that'll be good. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's done a lot in terms of kind of working around or doing work uh, involved... Uh, influenced by Cole. He co-wrote a play before called Lights Out, Knack and Cole with Patricia McGregor, um, which was an inter- interpretation of what might have been going on in Knack and Cole's head during his 1957 Christmas special, the Knack and Cole show, which was the first network programme hosted by a black man. So I think this is something that he's coming to this with a lot of love and a lot of uh, appreciation. So I think that's a more interesting project to look at rather than yeah. maybe the Michael Jackson biopic. That's and just d- my opinion. But Yeah, and one of those, uh, it nearly could have happened. Austin Butler, who played Elvis, obviously, was nearly cast in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, he had a choice between a screen test for Top Gun Maverick or um, doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But he's basically said, I, like, I never, I can't turn down Quentin Tarantino, so I'm not going to do mm-hmm. this screen test. Sorry, lads. It turned out, anyway, the team were like, they kind of figured that he looked too young. So Miles Teller ended up getting that role, that rooster role. Okay. And he's obviously gone on to like huge success, as you said. And he played uh, the Charles Manson cult member, Charles Watson, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But he's obviously played Elvis. He's in that new Apple TV Plus series that I'm seeing kind of middling things about. Uh, Mass Massive, Vizier. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Oh, is there something? I like, well, I like that. I mean, I love Band of Brothers, like, so <laughs> okay. I've really gone into it very kind of generously. Like, yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and but he, he said he couldn't turn down Quentin Tarantino, which means I can turn down Tom Cruise. Yeah. I mean, who are you going to... Actually, dish, I was about to say, yeah. how can you pick between, like, yeah. me, yeah, that's two evils there that I yeah. can. But anyway. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino has that cult thing, so you, you kind of, you know, he has a cult following. Tom Cruise. Do I want to get into a real cult or do I want to play in a fake <laughs> yes, exactly. cult? Hmm. Exactly. Let's continue to play pretend. Well, well, well pointed out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll move on to our second movie of the day. We have to watch this one closely for Oscar potential. It's The Holdovers. Here's a clip. Well, hello. Hi. Sorry, I'm late. Oh, we're just happy to see you. Madame, oh. the menu? Oh, thank you. Hello, ma'am. Would you like a cocktail to start? Oh, no, I'll just take a cup of tea. Oh, come on, have a cocktail. No, 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 a cup of tea is fine. I've eaten already. And you gentlemen, did you save room for dessert? Hmm. Hey, what's that? That's our signature dessert, Cherry's Jubilee. Sounds great. <laughs> Bring the young vandal here, Cherry's Jubilee. I'm afraid I can't. The dish contains brandy. Same deal with the bananas, Foster. Yeah, but doesn't the alcohol just burn off? Mm. 
It's still against the rules, ma'am. Uh, I'll order the cherry jubilee. We can share it. I can't allow that either. Can we say it's his birthday? It's my birthday. Well, happy birthday, young man. Well, let's get you a slice of cake or some other age-appropriate dessert. Christ on a crutch. What kind of a fascist hash foundry are you running here? <laughs> that is... Uh... <laughs> That's, uh, that, it's good. That's, that's just a really good. That's, uh, yeah. that's uh, the holdovers. So, Brian, what's the, what's the setup here? So, Paul Giamatti is this really curmudgeonly cantankerous, just a miserable prick of a teacher. <laughs> in, this, uh, in this boarding school in 1970s, uh, Massachusetts, um, every year during the, the holiday period, like the Christmas period, um, certain students are basically held over, as in their parents effectively don't want them coming back for Christmas, or they're too far away or whatever. They're called the holdovers. Um, the, the fellow you saw there, Dominic Sessa, his mother has just gotten remarried, and she wants to go off and have her honeymoon in St. Kitts, so he's left behind. And Paul Giamatti's character is left basically as the caretaker of the school, along with Devine Joy Randolph, who is the uh, kitchen manager for the whole school. And it's basically just that. It's them hanging out over the Christmas period. Each one of them has their own kind of baggage. Like, for example, Devine Joy Randolph's character, <clears throat> her son has just died in Vietnam. He, like I said, um, Dominic Sess's character, his mother has just gotten remarried. He had a very kind of, uh, I guess... He had a very strong relationship with his father, but his father is no longer in the picture, and that gets revealed. Paul Giamatti, he's this very, like, again, like, he's very cantankerous. He kind of lives alone, lives a sort of a monkish life, and then you've revealed that there's a reason for that. And it's just, like, broken people coming together and sort of loosening their, I suppose, their, their defenses, if you like, and getting to learn about each other. Um, it's the kind of film that they, they literally just don't make these kind of films anymore. Like, if you've ever seen any of Hal Ashby's films, like, you know, Being There, or, like, stuff like uh, David Putnam directed, uh, Local Hero, if mm. anyone remembers yeah. that film. Like, these really kind of humanist films, like, where it's really about character. It's not all just, like, ha, 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 gag, 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 and all that kind of stuff. It's more just, like, moments like that, like, these kind of, like, subtly funny moments that are, like, dark and weird and sad and funny at the same time. I absolutely love this. I thought this was brilliant. I can see why Paul Giamatti is getting all the award nominations for it because it's that thing of... It's very, very difficult to make a very unlikable character likable by attrition, you know, that mm. sort of way. As you go along, you start to thaw on him. Because the first time he comes up, he's just like absolutely wearing down this class of students and you can just see like the light going out of their eyes as he's wearing down on top of them and it's so familiar like when you're watching it's like everyone remembers a teacher like him my one was Mr. Carney I think I don't think he works anymore I think he's retired he was my maths teacher he was honours maths he hated me we'd like to distance ourselves uh, and apologise uh, to Mr. Carney but everyone had one fabulous teacher yeah. but everyone had one like I'm sure you had one I'm sure you had one I'm sure you had one I'm sure everyone listen to this remembers that one teacher that just hated them and that's what this character is like he just it's so memorable and so real and, and it's, it's Alexander Payne isn't it so sideways I mean, we mentioned sideways yeah same director yeah, it's yeah, exactly yeah. same director yeah it's, it's, uh, he was ma- amazing in that as well again a human story and a bit weird and a bit yeah yeah exactly like, and Alexander Payne like he said like he directed sideways and again he's known for making these very human comedies where it's not just like kind of screwball stuff like it, there is kind of like some physical comedy in it but it's really just about like angry, sad people 
being kind of funny, like and being mm, kind of weird yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah, and what? What? It, it, like, is it over Christmas or stuff? Yeah, it's school? over Christmas. Yeah, 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 it's over the Christmas period. And again, it's uh, Devine Joy Randolph. It's her first Christmas without her son. For um, Dominic Sess's character, it's his first Christmas. You know, as yeah. after his mother has been remarried and all the rest of it. And for Paul Giamatti, he's just like has shut himself off from any kind of relationship with people and he's just happy enough to live in his own kind of world. And this is the first sort of Christmas period where he's getting kind of drawn into relationships, you know? Yeah. Giamatti has played... Would it be fair to say similar character? He has, yeah. I mean, he's not kind of... It's not, wow, such a stretch for him playing yeah. a bitter character. Like, if you've watched Billions or if you watch watched mm. Sideways or if you watched pretty much anything he's done, like, he's known for playing sort of these irascible angry, cantankerous people. But again, he does it with such a heart of gold. And like, and you'll watch him doing any of the interviews as well. Like, he is so genuinely warm, you know, like, mm. anyway. Like, he's able to hide it under a lot of artifice, but there is that warmth underneath it. And Dominic Sessa as well, that kid, the, the kid actor, th- this is his first role. He was actually a student in the school that, where the whole thing is set. Crikey. And they did, yeah, they did like um, open auditions and he just like turned off for it and the actor was like, or the director, Alexander Payne, was like, yep, you're the guy. And he's brilliant in it. Like, he's got that really kind of like, you know, curses all the time and he hates everything and he's just like throwing strops nonstop. Like, it's brilliant. Like, he, and again, that dynamic between Giamatti and Sessa, again, for anyone who's had like a younger brother and you're forced to live with somebody it's very, very real, like, you know? <laughs> and even, like, there's a scene in it, there's a scene in it where, like, he runs off, and I'm not giving this away because it's in the trailer, but, like, he breaks his arm, and Paul Giamatti's like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, God, okay, right, just get in the back of the car, we're going to the hospital, like, and his arm is, like, hanging up like that, and it's, again, that really dark and weird and very real humour in it, like. Yeah. You know? So, I, now, I mean, apart from Giamatti, has the holdovers got any... Other Oscar now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, it was, it's nominated for Best Picture. Devine Joan Randolph is in for uh, Best Supporting Actress. Wouldn't be surprised if she won, actually. I think okay. she's a pretty strong contender for that. Paul Giamatti, like I say, he's in for Best Actor. In that race, it's Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti. And I'm not saying they're neck and neck. I do think Killian Murphy is ahead of him, but you wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. It's, it's a bunch of curmudgeonly old men that are voting, isn't it? Well, that's, <laughs> it. that's it. And they, yeah. Yeah, they'll look at that and they'll say, that's our guy right yeah. there. Look at him. Like, whereas Killian Murphy's got the jawline, he's got the hair. and he's... Yeah, but also, given what David Putnam was telling us mm. earlier on, that, that like... There, there then might be an element of, well, Giamatti's been around for a while. But so has Killian Murphy, like, in mm-hmm. fairness. Yeah, no, but he doesn't look like he has. No, he if doesn't. you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 but I'm saying, like, yeah, Killian Murphy has been around and, like, he's incredibly well preserved. Like, mm. I mean, those got jawline for days. Like, yeah. And he's from Cork. Cork. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't give Oscars on the basis of being from Cork. They should, well, they, they should. should. I know they should. Oh, oh you, lo- you lost Don't the crowd shoot there. the messenger here. <laughs> Don't take it up with David Putnam. Um, and so he lives in, oh, by the way, by the way, by the way, he lives in South Dublin. Like, why aren't you, why aren't you, and I'm talking you Cork people, more annoyed about that fact? Like, why do you let him off like he that? Lives Monks, he lives in Monkstown. Yeah, he lives in Monkstown down here as well, though. That's <laughs> Gillian Murphy we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monkstown Park. Monkstown Park. Is there a Monkstown down here? Is yeah, there? Is, yeah. I don't know. Oh, my God. Brian, come on. <laughs> Oh, is there like, yeah. in the centre of the world. <laughs> no, world. the original Monkstown is actually down here. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that a thing? I didn't yes. know that. Yeah. It's down that way, isn't it? It's down it? that way. Yeah. <laughs> My geography is terrible. I'm sorry. Clearly. Okay, that means nothing to anybody on radio. A man in the audience was pointing. Um, <laughs> 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 it's keeping abreast with developments in a particular direction. 
But anyway, uh, I thought the holdovers was grand so far, too overhyped. It's a small American school movie. It's not incredible, says Ashlyn. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, fair enough. Yeah. You think that, Ashlyn? I'd be worried, though. I'd be worried that the Academy might feel that, ah, we'll, we'll give it to Paul not just for this performance, but for as many Well, no, they definitely do that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, they've done that before. Like, Sandra Bullock, when she won for The Blind Side, that was literally, this is your career achievement award. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you've done great work. Where this film is okay, so we're going to give it to you for this. Like, yeah. That does happen. I don't think that's going to happen here, though, because I feel like Paul Giamatti... You know, like kind of Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott, he'll be back. Like, he's one of these actors that he does great, great work and it will be recognised in due course. Same with Killian Murphy as well. If he doesn't win for this, he'll be back for something else. But I do think the way that, like, the fact of it is, is that, like, Academy Awards, they love a biopic. They love a biopic about a man. And they yeah, love a biopic yeah. about a man in World War II. So this yeah. is just like, bam, 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 bam. He's going to win And it. one hard done by and all that. What? One that was hard done by. As, yeah, yeah, exactly. The one yeah. that was treated poorly yeah. by institutions in America and all the rest of it. And it's kind of taken a sort of sideways glance at those institutions, but not indicting them fully. Like, you know, that kind of way. Which, again, that's just catnip to the Oscars. They love that stuff. I just have a view now of the Academy as, like, full of these crazy old uncles. The person yeah. they want to be sitting beside at Christmas because they're just like, you know fair, wither like, the head off yeah and to be fair as well like nothing against the Oscars and David Putnam like he's a legend like he, he produced like The Duelist that's one of my favourite films but like the Oscars are not the barometer people should be using for what's a great movie like, yeah, Byron, like do you know what I mean like it's Driving Miss Daisy Driving Miss Daisy yeah come on like, that was terrible like you know in a kind of way like, inst- like there have it was <laughs> whoever that was sorry to that yeah. person in the front no, row come on okay. room. I'm sorry it, yeah. was, it was terrible I'm sorry we do have to take a break because what we're going to do is we're going to bring Brian down in the audience I'm going to you right uh, in and he can fight them all one by one uh, back in a couple of minutes Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. There you go, the money went to tip, not to cork. Uh, you suck! Throwing tomatoes, throwing tomatoes, throwing tomatoes. Booing poor Donald. <laughs> Donald's like sitting in his couch wondering, did I just have a dream? <laughs> uh, was that an acid flashback? I'm not sure. And then he's checking his phone. John Miller's awful close to Cork now. It's very close. It's close Please. enough. Yeah, he might spread the wealth around Yeah, him. he might. Well, he, he might. pay tax on that, do we know? Do, do uh, they pay tax on that? That's, no? That's good, 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 good wine shop in Cork. Red Nose Wine. Yeah, yeah. Red Nose Wine needs to get in touch, and that's a good wine shop down in Clonmel. Good yeah. shop. Yeah. Okay. We should talk about the shops. I, well, I would like to talk about the, the shops in Cork. There's amazing wine shops in Cork. So as the Irish examiner's wine writer, as some of you he's may wa- know, She's waving. You've got to stop. I've got to stop yeah. talking. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. I saw There's a special radio code that producers use with their hands, which just mean shut up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up, Leslie. There's a specific one for Leslie. Right. Okay. So speaking of, you can talk now, Leslie. <laughs> uh, right, our last wine is uh, Norton Malbec. Uh, I should have mentioned, by the way, the Bordeaux Merlot we had a minute ago was 14 euros, and so is this Malbec. Um, I've talked about Malbec before here. It's mm-hmm. your classic uh, southern French grape originally, but these days the best clones of it are in Argentina, up the top of a mountain, hot days, then cold nights. The grapes retain their acidity, so there's lovely freshness in this, lovely dark fruits. Uh, it's Cerro Fuerte which I looked it up, and it means uh, strong hill, uh, which is a <laughs> reference to the, to the Andes and, and all that. Um, and, um, yeah, look, it's, it's absolute stone-cold classic uh, Malbec. The Irish love Malbec. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's that that has Argentina at, like, 6%, and it's only the Malbec that they're selling, pretty much. I mean, there's very little else that they're buying from here, and it, it's, it's just classic, you know? Yeah, um, and, like, the thing about 
Malbec were like people, it's funny, like people that think Pinot Grigio, that's a woman's wine. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bordeaux's an outfit's wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Malbec is for big hairy chest yeah, fellas who yeah. ram in raw meat. Uh, on, on Sunday on a in paleo diet. On Sunday in Port Leach, I will be judging a sausage competition and a pudding competition. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. Sorry? <laughs> the craft which is what you do in your own time is your business. I, yeah. I, <laughs> For the Craft Butchers Association of Ireland in Port Leach, and I guarantee you, every butcher I meet there will want to talk to me about how amazing Malbec is with the steak. And it is, it is, you know. Argentina's yeah. steak, um, butchers and Malbec, it's a thing, you know. Hairy men mainly. Though there's yeah. some fantastic women butchers these days in Ireland, we should mention that. Are we yeah. still talking about the sausage? Uh, no, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, it begs the question, what is your particular expertise in sausage? Um, um, many years of, uh, I've done this for 15 years, test judging the Craft Butchers Sausage Competition. Yeah. Um, you're looking for spice, balance of meat, salt and fat um, and uh, not too bland and, uh, and not too mushy. You want a bit of texture there, you know? Not worse than a mushy sausage. You need to hold itself together. You need to stay firm, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Would these be raw sausages? No, 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 no. Well, no, you do actually, there is a few marks for how good they look raw and a few marks, that, and, and obviously extra marks for fully cooked and, uh, and as I say, uh, firm and juicy and uh, tasty. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm just talking about sausages. This is your dirty mind. Oh, no, yeah. They're... <laughs> I was about to do a spit take there and then I looked at all the wires over there and I stopped myself. <laughs> and are they like from all over the country? Yeah, from all over the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, Jack McCarthy in, Cork, in North Cork there, he wins, he's won so many awards in this thing. You can always spot them, they're so good. Um, Kelly's up in Newport and uh, another place. His black pudding is done in a sheep's stomach. Um, amazing. Um, it, it's, it, it, there's, there's obviously places in Dublin and Cork does really well. Cork, do you know actually the Cork needs up his game on the spiced beef? Sometimes they don't win and you should be winning the spiced beef every year. There's a place in West Farnham that sometimes wins the spiced beef and, you, and Cork doesn't. I'm telling you, Cork just needs to, needs to up its game on that, you know, because it is the home of spiced beef, Cork, you know. That, that's true. Um, but they, so. They do have the best sausages. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Cork sausages every time. <laughs> you made the right decision. Uh, right. So, ah, this is the best to last because uh, uh, I, I really did. Did you like The Diplomat on Netflix? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Leslie did. Yeah. Um, uh, Alison Janey's going to join us. That's yes, great news. really exciting. She's joining for uh, season two on Netflix uh, opposite uh, Kerry Russell, who obviously plays the series lead. I haven't seen it, so you like it. Yeah. yeah. She was nominated for, I think Kerry Russell was nominated at the Golden Globes and one of the others, the Emmys, I think. And I remember being like, oh, that show completely passed me by. So you'd recommend I would, because it, but it's not, like, it's not like the West Wing. There's, like, there's a lot of politics in it, but it's, it's kind of soapy and a bit daft sometimes. But she's brilliant. Well. I just but it gets a good her. balance between the, t- yeah. the three things. Yeah, because yeah, I would kind of watch anything that Alison Janney's in, so I'm like, okay, sign me up. Yeah. So. Okay, and who's Alison Janney going to be now? Um, I don't think there's details of, uh, of her character, and I would imagine we'll get the series maybe end of this year, start of next. So I would say watch this space. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we shall find out. Right. Okay. Uh, that's pretty much the end of our time here uh, uh, from the Triscoll Arts Centre, I'm afraid. Uh, so, By the Irish Examiner. That's what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> because you have a column. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Me and sausages, it's called. <laughs> it's Leslie's Sausage Adventures all over the country. Uh, so thanks to Leslie uh, and, and to Brian. 
<laughs> and to Fanula, uh, we are, and thanks, of course, to all the people who put this show together. They are Simon Tierney, Sean Reedy, Emily Rose Nulty, Ashling Moore, Michael Culligan, and David Slevin on sound. Uh, the crew serving the wines today were Seifer O'Donovan, Jack Lawler, and Josh Maher. Thanks, of course, uh, to the Triscoll Arts Centre. We love coming back here every time. Thanks, of course, to Marks and Spencer uh, for uh, uh, sponsoring these and making them all popular. Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk.